For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Welcome to The Rock Podcast. It's time for Jonah, the disobedient prophet, to get right with the God from whom he's running. His prayer of rededication from within the great fish offers us great insights for when we may find ourselves in similar straits. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, Jonah's Prayer. Well, I'm definitely not a fan of being in a tight uh, closed-in place. I don't know how many mildly claustrophobic people are here tonight by a, a show of hands. Yeah, good. I'm glad to be at home with some friends here. Uh, so 10 years ago or so, our church was meeting on the third floor of the O'Reilly Building up on Highway 116. Uh, after church service, uh, we got into a very small office elevator to go down to the first floor. Now, there were a few adults and a few teenagers, a keyboard, and a birthday cake involved. And Dave Galindo, too. Dave Galindo is here tonight. He was in the elevator uh, that wonderful afternoon. Well, the elevator started to descend, and one of the teenage boys... Um, And I checked with uh, if I could use his name, and he said only his initials, PJ, (laughs) our son. Uh, His his idea was to have he and his friend jump up as the elevator's descending as opposed to do something uh, entertaining. Well, it did something entertaining because when they did it, there was a big thump, and the elevator stopped, stuck just dead away. Uh, So, you know, I tried to restrain my reaction to my son because it was Sunday and I was the pastor and there were uh, members of the congregation in the elevator. But, you know, um, yeah, so I restrained myself. But I could feel that panic. I mean, it's a tiny little place and you know, and I could see the look on other people. So I, I, I saw the call but, button and I pressed it and I hear this woman's voice, what's your emergency? I'm like, what's the emergency? <laughs> I'm calling from an elevator. Uh, and so uh, we, we tried to get some help and here was her encouraging words. She said, you know, it's Sunday. It's gonna be hard to find an elevator serviceman. And I said, well, just take your time. We're just, we got a birthday cake. We could play some chords on this piano in here. No. An hour or two later. Yeah, that's a long time in a tight space. I mean, there's only so many elevator jokes, and then you run out of them, you know. And there's only so much birthday cake, too. Uh, So uh, we began to hear banging and some guy yelling, hey, where are you in there? I'm like, yes, uh, help has arrived. And uh, so... Finally, he, he pried open the doors and the elevator just came, he, he manually got it to come down a little way so that we could uh, be sprung into uh, freedom. Oh man, that was so beautiful. The relief, the air upon one's face, again, open space, it was wonderful. So 
my relief can't compare to uh, somebody like Jonah, who uh, for three days and three nights, the Bible says, uh, was in a very uncomfortable place inside the belly of a great fish. So we pick up our story here in chapter two uh, with the call button. All right, so here we go. Uh, uh, let's start at verse 17, the, the sentence before the first verse of chapter two. And so, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So we're going to pause there, talk about this predicament. But in light of um, repentance, it's a time for prayer and rededication, and in turn, time to get out of a tight spot. And so here tonight, we're going to find steps, really, how to get right with God, uh, how to stop playing games with him, and uh, to take God and his call in our lives uh, seriously. So if you're ever in a need to turn things around, to avert disaster, spiritually speaking, of course, uh, Jonah's simple prayer here in chapter 2 is going to supply a lot of good insight. So it's the really the classic uh, Christian rededication 101. All right, so step one, you know, King James always makes it sound better. So I would say get over thyself. All right, so that is step number one. What's a man of God doing in a place like that? Well, to recap, just in case you weren't here last week, uh, Jonah's got a mind of his own. You know, he's got a really hard time with something that God has asked him to do. And it has nothing to do with the physical aspect of going to this certain place. It's his heart toward the people there. Now, we are 800 years before Christ. Now, I've got a chart. Perhaps you'll remember from the months and months and months we studied the book of First and Second Kings. Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. He prophesied during this man's reign, the 13th king of wicked Israel, right? Uh, and a divided kingdom. And I just wanted to bring that up to you because he, he's mentioned there in 2 Kings, Jonah, some son of Amittai. That's him. And so he, his contemporaries are Amos and Hosea. Amos and Hosea were prophesying, uh, rightfully so, that the Lord was going to bring judgment against Israel. But Jonah had more victorious things to say, uh, and it kind of makes us understand why he doesn't want to go to the enemy and preach the gospel, because he's a real patriotic guy. He's, he's a guy who says, listen, uh, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, and, and God is for us, and he's against them. And God sees that in his heart, and he wants to correct it because we are supposed to represent God's nature, God's heart, his love for the world. We don't love evildoers in the sense of what they're doing or they're evil. We hate the sin, we love the sinner. We, we see a soul there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, 
oh, and that whosoever is without condition, and it includes those we despise. Uh, and and uh, even though he says we are to love our enemies, we, we can uh, sympathize with Jonah. There, well, you can go back to the verse now. But what I wanted to bring that up, the chart up, because I want you to see that Jonah was a historical person. He's not a parable or an allegory. Now, have you ever wondered why Noah, Daniel, and Jonah are the three most attacked Old Testament characters in the Bible? Well, it's because there's a reason for that. Because all three of them are tied to salvation and the cross, heaven and hell, and the end of the world. They all share a very important piece of understanding what salvation's all about. So Jesus describes the rapture of the church, the catching up of the church out of harm's way before the great tribulation comes in terms of Noah. So what, what is Jesus saying? He's saying Noah was a real person and the incident recorded in Genesis was a real event. That's what, why he mentioned one of the reasons. And, and then Jesus described the great tribulation. Uh, those who were left behind, he addresses them. And he says, you might want to check out the words of Daniel the prophet. Oh, there's Daniel. What is Jesus saying? There was a real Daniel and the lion's den. And he was a prophet. And you will do good to listen to some of his latter teachings on the end of the world. And also Jesus describes uh, the sign of his death and resurrection by going to Jonah. And when he did that, he knew Jonah would come under attack. Oh, Jonah and the big fish, right? But he, Jesus said, he was a historical person, and he took it literally. Because, as I said last week, he says to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, they come and they ask him, uh, even though they had seen signs and wonders, they said, we want to see some signs and wonders, and Jesus says, man, this is such an adulterous and wicked generation asking for a sign. You know, he would do a sign, and then they said, you did that by Satan's power. You know, so it wasn't about asking for a sign. It was about their wicked hearts. So he said, I'll tell you the sign you're going to get. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, who was three days in the belly of the whale. He's saying, the sign is going to be, you're going to have me executed but I will rise from the belly of the earth, as it were. And so really what he's saying is, is that your sign is going to be your demise. I'm going to defeat you. And we talked about that last week. Is saying Some unbelievers sign, the only sign they're going to get is when they die and see the Lord on a great white throne. That's going to be their sign. You wanted a sign? Here it is. It was all true. And so... With that said, you know, it's really important. Jesus takes this incident uh, quite literally. The whole, Jonah's a person. The whale happened. It was three days. Oh, how many days was Jesus not seen? Three days. On the third day, he rose. So it, Jesus is taking the whole story of Jonah literally and historically. So if we have a problem with the whale... And Jonah, we have a problem with the one who used him as a historical literal example, and that would be uh, the Son of God. So, yes, a real person who has real struggles, all right? And here's his struggle. You know, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul, Iraq. 
He doesn't want to offer the Assyrians who are as cruel as ISIS, who now occupy Nineveh, as we saw last week. He doesn't want to go there. He, he doesn't mind preaching against them, but he knows that preaching the gospel starts with repentance, and that lends them an opportunity to repent and get right with God. And that's the whole point. God so loved the world, even whosoever, even an Islamic terrorist, can have true repentance. And God says to Jonah, I want your mouth, I want your heart, I want you to go over there, and I want you to give them the opportunity before I wipe them off the face of the earth. I take no delight in the death of the wicked, says the Lord. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. So he wants Jonah to be on board uh, with him. The thing about loving your enemies and preaching the gospel to and, and loving people's souls is we just never know. I talked about this last week. You know, Saul was a terrorist, and, and then he became Paul, the great apostle, who writes 13 New Testament books. Mary Magdalene had seven demons, you know, the day before. You know, she wrecked homes. People did not love her. People did not say, hey, there goes the first witness of the resurrection. Yeah, no. But God expects us to leave that to him and to keep our hearts from hate and anger, and bitterness, and thinking that we have the right to tell him who we can save and who we can't save. I mean, he saved you and me, right? And Jonah's problem is that's fine. As long as I got saved and the people that I love, you know, everybody else can go to hell. So, sorry. <laughs> that's his problem, and that's why he's in a whale right now. So, so we saw last week... <laughs> that he set his will against the Lord and uh, he decided, you know, he's not gonna take any chances with one of those Assyrians getting saved and becoming his brother, right? And so you saw the map last time. The Lord, <laughs> he got on a ship to go 2,500 miles to Gibraltar, Spain, when the Lord wanted him to go to Iraq. And uh, yeah, he was going to make sure that he was nowhere in the vicinity. Uh, you'll recall what happened. Uh, God provided a storm, a redemptive storm. Like, come on, man, you know, uh, give this a second thought, you know. And he could have avoided the whole thing had he just repented sooner. But he holds on to the bitter end, doesn't he? He makes those sailors cast the lots. His sin is found out, as it always will be. And uh, in a melee of despair, he said, just throw me overboard, toss me over. You know, I ended my career. I've grieved the Holy Spirit. There's nothing left here. I've, I've put your lives in jeopardy. Toss me over. The sea will grow calm. That's the only way. And those guys had more character than this prophet of God because they said, no way, man. We're not going to do that. They tried to row back to port. And, and, the, and the storm grew worse. And so they just, uh, you know, after a heartfelt prayer to Yahweh, using God's covenant name, these guys, these unbelievers, said, dear Lord, don't hold us a, uh, accountable for what we're about to do. But it seems like it's your doing. And that's what they said. And one, <laughs> two, three. Out he goes, and suddenly, you know, Jonah sinks beneath the churning waves. The storm immediately stops the sailors get saved, and Jonah gets swallowed. And that's what, that brings us up to tonight's uh, passage. 
Sometimes that's what it takes to get over thyself, is um, being swallowed up by something. But it's, it's usually our own doing. Now, we can't, God has graciously now has provided a vehicle of safety, right? Uh, he's very gracious to rescue us, but we cannot choose the method of our rescue. You can put the verse back on. Thank you. And so that uh, terrible, confining, dark, I'm sure it didn't smell very good in there, right? I mean, that's a terrible place, but what, what a paradox because it's, it's the very thing that's saving him is the problem. And many times I think if you look closely, the problem that swallows you up, Romans 8, 28, God is using all things together, working them for your good. And so the very thing that, that he finds himself uh, in the middle of is really the Lord uh, showing him grace and mercy and intervening uh, in his life so that he'll have a change of heart. Now, uh, God wants him to get on board with God's plan. And so C.S. Lewis put it this way, God whispers to us in our pleasures and blessings, and God shouts to us in our pain. So this whale is God's megaphone uh, to, to Jonah uh, to show him that he is off course. Now, um, I can just hear the Holy Spirit, you know, heaven to Jonah, over, you know, uh, please reconsider, over. I mean, he's swallowed up in this whale. You know, I can hear the Lord say, I can do as I wish. How's it going in the fish? <laughs> you know? Over, you know, come on, am I getting through to you? Uh, here's what one writer said about this passage. Jonah's not the only one to come to his senses inside the belly of some beast that God prepared. Many wonderful prayers and changes of heart arise from within an oncologist's office, a judge's chambers, or a cold prison cell, or an upside-down vehicle. The whale takes on different forms, but God has a whole fleet of such vessels for an erring child who wants to go left when the Lord has commanded him to go right. So uh, verse 17 of chapter 1, you just notice his resolve. Jonah is inside the fish for three days. And then verse 1 says, from inside the fish, he prays. This is a Jewish thing, okay? It's a genetic characteristic stiff-neckedness. I mean, to have a stiff neck. 20 times the Lord calls the Jews in the Old Testament Stiff-necked, it means they won't turn. You know, he says, turn. And, and they're just, no, it's not going to happen. And so Jonah is like that three days. Three days, man. I, I'm sure he said, save me when he's in the water. You know, but for three days, he did not open his mouth. Apparently, that's what it, it leads us to believe. And by the way, the three days and three nights is a Hebrew idiom does not mean necessarily 72 full hours. It can mean any part of three days, uh, and the Lord uses that. Really, the, the understanding of three days and three nights is the intensity of what you're talking about. So you would use three days and three nights if there's an intense situation. So for example, you could say, uh, that problem has been going on for three whole days. 
three whole days. Did you mean 72 straight hours every hour on the hour? Or, or are you saying, man, it was such an intense thing. It lasted three days. That's exactly what's going on. Why am I bothering you with this information? Is because Jesus said that he would be in the earth three days and three nights. And so people love to say, well, that would mean, you know, they move things around and say that he, he rose from the dead on the fourth day. Clearly, Jesus said he would raise on the third day. And beside all this, Hebrews count the day before sunset as the start of a day. And so that explains that. So, uh, <laughs> so there, <laughs> moving on. It, it, it took uh, three whole days to get through to this Jewish prophet. Let's talk about the whale and the rest of it, the prayer just, it goes fast. Let me talk to you about the whale, this great fish, technically. Now, uh, first of all, is it scientifically possible for this to happen? No, probably not. Uh, This is called a miracle. All right, and so I just want to call your attention to the verse. God, who made heaven and earth, provided, God provided the big fish. It was God who speaks and a planet appears, all right? So that God was involved with that fish. So technically speaking, no. Why is it every commentary I read, I have to hear about in 1891, this uh, whaler named James Bartley was harpooning a sperm whale, and he fell overboard. It swallowed him. They cut, a, cut him up the next day, the, the whale. They caught the whale, and inside was an unconscious but alive man. Who cares? That's not the point. Uh, are you going to start saying, is it scientifically possible for an axe head to float? to the surface, like if you know your Old Testament, that was one of the miracles. Is it scientifically uh, possible to part a Red Sea? Is it scientifically possible for a human being, well, the Son of God, to walk on that water? Is it scientifically possible for a virgin to have a baby boy? Why don't we just, why do we do that with a whale? Come, It says God provided the whale. What is your problem? Right? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the other guy's got a problem with a whale. God's involved. My word. So now that we've cleared that up, Jonah has turned the corner, all right? And, uh, and we can tell that because he's praying for, for help. And he's thankful. Now, come on. He's already thankful. He's not out of the situation. I love that. You can be thankful and have a little bit of faith and... And start the conversation and the dialogue again after being estranged and disobedient, even though everything's not quite resolved. You can start opening the communication channels and have a thankful heart knowing this is a good thing, right? Thus far, I'm not drowned, right? So I I don't appreciate the situation I'm in fully, but I am thankful. And you see that in the verses. I just like that. Listen to what he's saying. You know, he says, from the pit of Sheol, in the Hebrew, the King James has it right, from the pit of hell, I call to you. 
we can call as our lives are ebbing away and it's a disaster and he knows this is all my doing. So sometimes you think, well, I caused this and, and I messed up and so I can't really cry out to God. Well, he's like, I'm going to call out to God and I'm going to be thankful for the situation because I'm not drowning. I'm breathing. I'm alive. I probably, he probably doesn't know where he is at the moment. He's trying to figure it out. Okay, he hears the bum bum. Bum, 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 bum. And, it, you know, he's, he's catching on. The seaweed helps, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's just trying to come to terms with it. But I really like Psalm 139. If I make my bed in the depths, King James Version, hell. If I make my bed down in the grave, even there you'll find me. He's the hound of heaven. He comes after us in Love And so he's opened the communication channels. He's thankful. He, he's kind of, he's, he's been changed, you know? And that's how you know if you're changed is you start to open your heart and he's already going to be willing. Yes, Lord, speak. You may speak now, you know. Uh, God has got his attention. Sometimes he has to uh, do things like that to get our attention. All right, three through seven. We're praying now. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from God's sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. (laughs) To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. All right, so he's gotten over himself, at least to the point that he can pray, and he's called on the name of the Lord, right? And he's ready to do business with God. And now I would say the step, second step is, and, and King James, Old English, thou shalt have faith. Thou shalt have faith. Even though, even though you're in an impossible situation, you're in a lot of agony, even though things look really grim and we see it here. The first thing I want you to see here is that faith doesn't overlook the reality of the impossible situation. It doesn't whitewash or ignore the actualities, glim and bleak as they are. Um, Really, the painful facts he accepts. I like what it says in Romans chapter four about Abraham. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. This is what I see Jonah doing, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. So notice what he's saying here now with his faith. He's saying, the sailors didn't toss me over, you did. He's saying, and I deserved it. I picked a fight with you and you're winning. 
You hurled me down. I got in your face like, I don't want to go to Nineveh, okay? Catch me if you can. I'm going to Spain. See ya, right? And he's saying, aha, but you caught me. You grabbed me through the sailors, through the storm, with the whale. It's the hand of God. So you see, that's what he's saying here. He's saying, uh, I see what's going on. You're disciplining me. You're in charge. You're stronger than I am. I challenge you to a throwdown, and you win, right? Now, you'll, you'll notice the winds and, and the waves obey him. The fish obeys, but the man of God does not. But he's coming around, and so he's going to see the light. And so Jonah is learning the lesson. When you turn your back on God, there's really only one direction you can go, and that's down, right? So did you notice this in the text? When I'm reading, I noticed this. Uh, It says that he went down to Joppa, and then he went onto the boat and down into the belly of the boat. And then he was hurled down into the sea, down to the mountains. He sank inside down inside the belly of a whale. And so you just see a progressive downward uh, spiral, and that's the way it is. God, God is our maker. God is the Lord. He's got good things planned for us. He will make us incredibly uncomfortable when we will not be happy. Right? I mean, think about that. For the person who refuses to be happy in the Lord, he will make you very unhappy until you're happy. Did that make sense? (laughs) How many are like, I'm happy already. I'm happy. (laughs) I know. That's what I want to wake up in the morning going, I'm so happy right now, Lord, please. Just know I'm very happy. And so uh, I like it that he sees the light um, in the darkness, You know, sometimes God has to do that, unfortunately. So verses three through seven, that you're looking at now. Uh, Thankfully, faith has really nothing uh, to do with our feelings, right? Listen, I'm going to show you a cheesy little thing that I came upon 36 years ago, 19 years old, brand new Christian. And somebody handed me a little booklet. And here's what it was. Fact, faith, and feeling. And that pastor told me, you are constantly, every time I'm talking to you, you are being led by feeling. Feelings come at the end. It's your facts. It's your faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling. We look to the unseen things. Those are the eternal things, not the things that we can see and feel and all of that. That's temporary, right? And so 36 years ago, I really feel like I caught this. For almost four decades, I feel this has been the most beneficial thing. Every time I have a feeling, you know, sometimes feelings are right, but sometimes they're very off. And and we have to walk by faith. That is the, the heartbeat of the New Testament, right? And so this is exactly what we're learning. Here's how he felt. Thank you for that slide. Here's a way. I mean, here you can read it for yourself. Trapped. I can't go any lower. I, it couldn't get any worse. I'm suffocating and dying under the pressure and weight of this world of woe. I, I've been cast from, this is how he feels. He, it's not true. 
I've been abandoned and cast from the presence of the Lord. Oh, no, you haven't. Oh, God's all over this thing. And because of his love and grace and mercy, you're still with us. And you're going to get a second chance. And you're going to be a Bible hero. And you're going to be an example of the Lord's death and resurrection. Hang in there, buddy. Right? And so, but he says, it doesn't feel that way. I'm imprisoned in an impossible situation. Look at the text. It feels like a slow, painful death. These are all the Psalms. The Psalm, Psalm 18, Psalm 31, Psalm 42, Psalm 88, Psalm 142. God, where are you? My world's upside down. Are you going to forget me forever? These are honest, godly men pouring out their hearts and saying, what is up? You raise up a child in the way he should go, and at the end he won't depart. What? What's happening? Where are you? I called You're supposed to answer. All of these are feelings. And then you will find, just like he's doing in this psalm, he's writing a psalm, he will have faith. And he will say, and it's not blind faith, and it's not positive confession. He's not going to say in the belly of the whale, I will worship in Jerusalem. I will worship in Jerusalem. I will not allow any negative thought. I will not confess it. I'm not going to die or drown. I'm going to live, and I'm going to be in that building. No, he doesn't do that. He's saying, God, I, I know what you're doing. You provided a fish. I'm alive. You're going to give me a second chance. He is a basis and some prompting and some promises and a calling to say, oh, I'm going to be in church again one day. This is going to happen. I'm going to put my trust in you. You're going to get me out of this. Why would God send a fish to save him and then let him perish? Jonah's thinking, right? And so why, why would God do that to you or to me, right? He's alive and he's thankful and he simply believes that if he cooperates now, God will carry uh, this whole thing through to completion. The work that the Lord has begun uh, is surely a sign of the second chance and he's going to believe him for that. Let's finish up. Eight through 10. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And praise the Lord. (laughs) Wow. I love the Bible. Now, um, If you want or need a spiritual turnaround, uh, you'll have to get over yourself. Uh, You'll have to call on the name of the Lord. You'll have to have some faith despite some trying circumstances. And and lastly, you're going to have to learn thy lesson and start obeying. All right? So here we have a response to grace. He's happy. He feels like the Lord has done a miracle on his behalf, and he's going to give him a second chance. And when you get that feeling like God has just overlooked your badness and your sin against knowledge, you knew full well what you were doing. You're a prophet of God, Jonah, and, and, and all of us. We always sin against knowledge. We know what we're doing. We like to say I was out of my mind, but we were in our minds. And, and, and to have God 
Extend the scepter of mercy to us. It just makes us want to serve him with faithfulness. And so his heart is softening. And he says, in verse 8, love, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What is he talking about? Well, first he's talking about the sailors who were, were crying out to, you know, if it had been a few hundred years uh, later, Poseidon and Zeus and all their wacky gods, the god of the sea, the god of the ocean, the god of safety. That's what they were doing. But nothing was happening, no resolve. And so he says, boy, I've got this living God who has been listening to me, watching me, knowing my heart and my motives, and hemming me in and dealing with me and throwing me in and picking me up. Wow, he's a living God, as opposed to these superstitious religions or block of wood or something like that. So God's discipline in Jonah's life has increased his faith. He's wild by it. He says, wow, you know, why waste your time uh, with gods of money and pleasure and all kinds of other idols? Because in the day that you're in trouble, sinking to the mountain, the roots of the mountains, They're worthless. They can't help you. There are some problems that money can't solve. Your death is one of them, right? And so he's saying when you got seaweed wrapped around your head and you're seeking and your life is ebbing away and the the heart monitor is going like this, you're going to need something more than an empty idol of money or brokers or a lawyer or a doctor. Who are you going to call then? That's what he's saying. What a waste of time to have uh, devotion and dedication to a God that cannot save. Uh, but he says, wow, you're the real deal, you know? So a stark contrast uh, with those guys for sure and the lives around him. Uh, God's discipline really increases our faith and gives us determination to serve. So he, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I used to be, I was living like a pagan. I was like that. I was running, but not anymore. Did that, been there, done that. So he's saying, I was so stupid to think I can go my own way, do my own thing, and get away with it. You know, like God is a block of wood. Like he's not noticing that he told me to do something. I'm going the opposite direction, and I'm going to get away with it, and God's not going to give me any pushback. He goes, well, that, that's ridiculous. Right, So he says, I worship you now, the true and living God. Uh, Verse uh, nine there, singing songs of thanksgiving and giving, right? So he's saying, I'm going to be back at church. I'm going to be singing with God's people and I'm going to be contributing in the offering. That's what sacrifice means. That's what they did. That's an offering. That's our modern day sacrifice of giving. So he says, when I get to dry ground, I'm going to church. I'll be singing with everybody. I'll be worshiping the Lord. And I'm going to be contributing. I'm going to be back on the team. You know, not as an asset, not a drain. Not, not with so, some, something that God has to bring a storm and he's going to get my attention. He's going to bring a fish. He's going to involve other people. And I, I'm going to actually be cooperating with God and uh, do something uh, in a positive way. And so here's the big lesson, verse 9. 
He says, okay, I got it. Salvation belongs to you. It comes from you. You you know what he's saying, right? He's saying, okay, salvation belongs to you, God. And if you want to give that offer of salvation to the bad guys, I'm on board with that. I'll go. His heart's not all the way there yet. But he will obey. He will go because he's going to say, I'm going. But his heart, his heart. Chapter 4, we find out he's not all the way there. But he's saying, hey, I may not all the way understand and I'm not all the way there yet emotionally, but I will obey you anyway. And I will do the right thing because salvation is the gospel is yours. You want to save that person? I'm going to obey and give them the opportunity even though I despise them. I am going to be kind and, and loving and represent you well, right? And it doesn't mean that you can't say some harsh, hard things. I mean, in love. I mean, hell's a very scary place and we ought to... Um, Teach that and share that the way that Jesus did, quite plainly and quite uh, simply. So he's saying, okay, I get it. Gospel's yours. Salvation's yours. It's your call. You want to go there. I'll, I'll be your man. So God orders the fish. The fish obeys, of course. And uh, says, empty the contents of your stomach onto the shore. And, and isn't that a nice way of saying it? It took me about five minutes to come up with that. You know, a way not to save vomit, all right? The elevator doors open up, and Jonah smells fresh air. He hears seagulls. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I just can't imagine if someone saw it happen. That could be why people repent, all right? Because word could have gotten out to the king. Dude, listen, we were walking our dogs on the beach, okay? <laughs> we saw this monster fish come off and, and kind of yawn. And out, it just was making this sound. You know, the sound. <laughs> and out popped this dude. <laughs> and he got up, brushed himself off, took the seaweed off, and he started walking toward us. And we're like... And now he's saying he's got a message from God. And the king's like, let's repent. <laughs> well, that's coming up. And uh, listen, so far it seems this is what's gone on. Uh, Jonah's got over himself. Uh, he's called out to the Lord. He, he, he's having faith. Uh, he's learning his lesson and he promises to keep his Vow, but as I said, we're going to find out that his heart's not all the way there. He's got a big lesson still to learn. I'm going to share uh, something with you that kind of puts me uh, not in very good light. I'm embarrassed to have to tell you this, but uh, something happened uh, yesterday to me that relates to the story and the struggle of loving people. Salvation belongs to God. He expects me to represent him. Uh, I was driving to Sebastopol, and I got into the intersection there downtown, and there was a protest. And there were a dozen people waving signs, we support Planned Parenthood. Suddenly, I, I just was caught off guard. I've watched those videos 
buying baby parts and the jokes and the... I've got some strong feelings about that. And when I saw the amount of people, the looks on their faces, the honking of the horns, everybody cheering, I rolled down my windows and it started on my lips and the Lord sent an angel to choke me. (laughs) It did not come out of my mouth, but the word was forming and it was... "Mm." I wanted to call them murderers, right? Now, so I got through that intersection. I was like, and so I go and do my errand, and that was done in about an hour. And I realized that I was coming the other way, but I was looking forward to getting there again, right? But I, it meant I had to go back around because I thought, oh, you know how the one-way street's there, right? It didn't dawn on me. I'm getting all excited, like I'm getting ready, the window's coming down. I actually was plotting to stop and get construction paper and a marker pen so that I could write something in the, put it in the window and just drive by. So... These things were going through my head. And here's what I hear in my mind. Try praying for their souls, Jonah. God, that is so unfair. First of all, first of all, you can read my mind. Second of all, you know where I am in the Bible. And you know what I've been studying, right? Oh, you you can use the Bible against me like that, right? My old sermon, you know, back. So I prayed for the ladies and the gentlemen that were on the corner. I prayed that they wouldn't end up in eternal torment. I started praying and my heart started changing toward feeling some compassion for the person. It didn't separate my feelings for, oh, you're complicit. You're supporting that. You know, I want you to see that. And I'm mad about it and angry and how, how, right? No, that's Jonah's problem. You can't be having vengeance and yelling out why, you know, oh, yeah, well, you're, you know, that isn't Christian. That's pagan. Christian is to be Kind, self-controlled, wise. How am I going to win them? Screaming murderer? What if if one of them is a Mary Magdalene in disguise as someone with a poster and she's going to give this great testimony someday? I was on the corner and somebody came up to me and said, hey, can can my wife and I buy you a cup of coffee? You know, can, can we just share our hearts with you? Oh, that's so much better than angry, hate, and name-calling and all of that. It's in my heart. It's in all of our hearts. Let's watch it. (laughs) Yeah, you said all of our hearts. That's true. I thought you meant, yeah, it's in your heart. All right. (laughs) Let's let the Lord check your heart. Who do you hate? Who do you hope never gets to heaven? Sorry, but there are people on that list, right? Leave that to God. 
oh, he's going to do a fantastic job. And then when we're there and we know who's who, we're going to rejoice with that. But we can't do it now. We're not, it's not the right time or place. Give those things over to God. He'll take care of it. Our job, reflect his character. Whosoever. You want to hold signs? You're deceived? You want to be complicit in something that's terrible? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is just hard, Lord, to always reflect you as ambassadors of Christ in a, in a manner worthy of who you truly are. Your ways are higher than our ways, Lord. And unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have no hope, Lord, of getting this right. Lord, just kind of complicated. Help us to figure out how to compartmentalize all of these things in our hearts and just lay it aside and keep our hearts free of hate and vengeance and, and anger and murder and filled rather with mercy and grace and love and self-control. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together, closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.